Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. What drives your life? What drives your life? What drives you to get up each day? What drives how you interact with your spouse? Or how you parent your children? Or how you perform your job? Or how you do good things for others? What drives your life? We come to a truth point right out the gate here this morning. Take note of it. Everyone is driven by something or someone. There are no exclusions. Everyone is driven by something or someone. Some people are driven by the quest for excellence. Others for the desire of pleasure. Still others for money and or power. There are those who do what they do. They're driven by the praise that they get when they do good things. And there are many, honestly, who are driven by the fear of failure. Well, today we're going to unpack Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. And our goal will be to discover what was the driving force in Jesus' life. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Let's begin reading. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, quote, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. End quote. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So as we come to this passage, I'm reminded that Luke is not always um, concerned about keeping his gospel in perfect chronological order. And that's the case with the passage we're reading today. At first glance, when we look, for say, at, at verses 16 through 30, it looks as though what we see recorded there took place immediately following Jesus' temptation. But what you see recorded there in verses 16 through 30 did not take place immediately after his temptation. In fact, what we find is that Luke skips the entire first year of Jesus' ministry and he, he basically, all that Jesus did in that first year, he takes and puts it in two little sentences. If we want to find out what took place in Jesus' first year of ministry, we would need to go, let's say, to the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, you'll find that the first four chapters 
are all about that first year. Everything basically that you will read in those first four chapters comes before what we're going to deal with here today. In fact, if we were just to turn one chapter over in Luke, what takes place there in chapter 5 took place in the time span of verses 14 and 15. And you may ask, well, why is it that way? Well, because at this point uh, in the narrative, Luke is more interested in picking and choosing events in Jesus' life that help Theophilus to know that Jesus is indeed the Christ than it is just to give a blow-by-blow, minute-by-minute, second-by-second, day-by-day, week-by-week account. And so I just wanted you to be aware this morning before we get into the meat of the thing that uh, verses 14 and 15 um, represent (laughs) in Luke's uh, writing, at least in this moment, the first year. And he just summarizes it very, very briefly. So what that basically means is, is that between verse 15 and verse 16, there's a gap of about a year. That said, verses 14 and 15 are not throwaway verses because they're part of the revelation about the driving force in Jesus' life. As you look at verse 13 and 14 and the ones that follow that we've read this morning, have you identified yet the driving force In the life of Jesus, he's been mentioned four times in this text. It is the Holy Spirit of God. Now, Luke is known in part as the gospel of the Spirit because Luke, more than any other gospel writer, calls our attention to his ministry. It all started with the conception of Jesus in the womb of Mary. Who was it that did that? It was the Holy Spirit of God. It was the Holy Spirit who identified Jesus as the Messiah and came upon him in the form of a dove at his baptism. It was the Spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness where where he was tempted by the devil. And now Luke is careful to record that as Jesus left his wilderness experience to begin his ministry, it was the Holy Spirit that was filling him. I want you to look again with me at verse 14 where it says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Why is he returning to Galilee? Well, because he has been ministering in the Judean region. Why did he come, go from Judea to Galilee? Well, because the Holy Spirit prompted him to do that. I believe that it's, it's, it's appropriate for us to understand that everything Jesus does, he does by the prompting, the leading, and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit prompted Jesus to go back to Galilee. The Spirit has been, has been empowering the ministry that Jesus has been doing over this last year that has created all this buzz that now is beginning to hit the ears of those in Nazareth. The Holy Spirit is the one who has been enlightening the hearts of the people that Jesus taught in all those synagogues so that he found favor with them. And now, in the region of Galilee, he returns to his hometown of Nazareth where he receives a warm welcome, kind of like the hometown boy who makes good. And verse 16 says, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Imagine Jesus entering the synagogue of Nazareth. 
Everybody there knew him. That's Mary and Joseph's boy. That's the one that was trained to be a carpenter. Perhaps Jesus, in his 20s or maybe in his teens, had made a chair or a table or a bed for some of the people that were gathered there in Nazareth to worship. But now he's a teacher. Now he is being looked at as a rabbi, a teacher of the scriptures. And and Jewish historian Josephus gives us a glimpse into a typical gathering at that time in a synagogue. Wonder how close it is to what we do today. Well, let's take a look. When people would meet on the Sabbath, basically the gathering would begin with a time of thanksgiving and blessings. So those in charge would perhaps kick that off and others would join in. Then after that, there would be a reciting of the Shema which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And after the reciting of the Shema, there would come a time for prayers. And as the prayers were offered by different individuals, the the congregation was involved in the sense of listening and affirming what they were hearing by saying in unison, Amen, together. And after the time of prayer... There would be a time of reading. They would take a reading from the Pentateuch, and they would take a reading from the prophets. And after the reading from the Pentateuch and the prophets, then would come the sermon. And so someone would share and teach and unpack what what had been read, perhaps. And then after the sermon, to round everything off, there would be a benediction. And that benediction was typically uh, given by... A priest. Now, in our text today, Luke takes us right into the middle of that day's service. Jesus is called upon to bring the reading of the prophets. It was a common thing to include a visiting teacher or rabbi in the service, and so it's not uncommon uh, that he would be asked to participate. He was handed the scroll that contained the writings of the prophet Isaiah. And it seems very clear here in the text that he didn't go in and ask for it. That's what the attendant there handed to him. So he took what was given to him. And as I think about that, and I think about the whole thing that Jesus is going to unveil here, I'm having to ask the question, I wonder if the Holy Spirit was involved in that. Did the Holy Spirit move upon that person or upon the leader of that day to include that in the order of service? I'm not sure. But I say it's a pretty safe bet that the Spirit did prompt that. And as Jesus took the scroll and he opened to what we now refer to as chapter 61, verses 1 and 2, I want you to take note today of what it says about the Holy Spirit. Jesus begins to read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he, the Spirit, has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He, the Spirit, has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Notice it was the Spirit. Jesus said the Spirit is on me. Of course, he's reading the the, the prophet's words from Luke. Or, excuse me, from Isaiah. 
And the report tells us that after he read that scripture, that he rolled up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant, and he sat down. Now, sitting down was the manner in which they taught at that time. They didn't stand up behind a lecturing podium like we do today. Uh, They sat down, and from that position of sitting, they would teach. And Luke says that the eyes of everyone... Or uh, Isaiah says that the eyes of every, Luke says that the eyes of everyone was fixed on Jesus, and he began his talk. I'm going to assume that he was the one who was going to bring the message that day, and he begins his talk by saying, "Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing." What did he mean by that? Well, there is no mistake about it. Jesus, in this particular case, is claiming. That the me that is written about there in Isaiah 61 is actually himself. He is making the claim that what the prophet had written and the me that the prophet had been speaking about was actually him. He, Jesus, was the one who would preach the gospel to the poor. He would be the one who would heal the brokenhearted. He would preach deliverance to the captives. He would give recovery of sight to the blind. He would preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.